Good morning, friends. Nice to be together on such a beautiful, beautiful spring day, kind of in between spring and summer here. I'll read this prayer demand from Whispers from Eternity. If we want to know how to worship, this is a guidebook to that. Every aspect of our thoughts, our desires, our behaviors, Master has a prayer demand to help clarify and cleanse that and direct it in the right way. So the one I'll read today is the prayer before practicing concentration. And remember that the theme is how to worship properly in spirit and in truth. So prayer before practicing concentration. Teach me, O spirit, by meditation to stop the storm of breath, the skipping of my mental restlessness, and all the sensory disturbances that rage on the lake of my mind. Let the magic wand of my intuition halt the gale of passions and unnecessary desires. In the ripples, rippleless lake of my mind, then, let me behold the undistorted reflection of the moon of my soul, glistening ever with the reflected light of thy spirit presence. So how do we worship properly in spirit and in truth? Well, being Swami's birthday, uh, the simple answer is we worship the way he did. And I would like to end my talk now but I doubt that I'm gonna get away with that. So I'll explain a little more of what that means. So to worship in spirit and in truth, and then through concentration, through meditation, to silence the mind sufficiently so that we're able to do that. What does it mean to uh, worship in spirit? God is spirit and that we should worship him in spirit. It means essentially that God is immaterial. What does it mean to worship in truth? It means to worship God as he truly is. And if we worship the immaterial as the material, then we are not worshiping in truth, nor are we worshiping in spirit. So one could say the whole of our spiritual path is to unwind those delusions that think that the, the things that we see, the forms that we see, the, all of the outer aspects are real in and of themselves. They are real, but only as an aspect of God. Swami Kriyananda one time was with Master and Master had said that we have to get rid of all desires and Swami being the questioning person that he was, asked Master, do you mean all desires? Even if one time I wanted an ice cream cone, I still have to come back and get rid of that desire? And Master said, oh yes, all desires. Well, that's frightening if you take it on the level of form. But what is the essence of the problem there? It's not the ice cream cone. 
It's that you think that the ice cream cone is something other than God. If you ate the ice cream cone, remembering that it was God, you don't have to come back and fulfill the desire for an ice cream cone if you had that desire. Because in spirit, all those desires that we might have are automatically fulfilled. So the whole unwinding is a long unwinding of the delusion that anything is real other than an extension of God as a, as a, uh, a form of God. Last year we were in Sarampur, which is where, if you remember the scene in the autobiography of a yogi, where Sri Yukteswar uh, met uh, because Sri Yukteswar had his ashram in Sarampur, um, met Babaji, and we were at a bathing ghat. There's a huge banyan tree there. Bathing ghat is, in this case, it's either steps or it's a, a ramp that leads down into a, a body of water. In this case, there's a ramp that leads down to the Ganges. And it was there that uh, Babaji fulfilling a promise to Sri Yukteswar, uh, appeared to Sri Yukteswar. And if you remember the story, Sri Yukteswar said, oh, wait, 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 I'm going to go get some, some sweetmeats for you. And he came back and Babaji was gone. It was in the immaterial form. Well, Sri Yukteswar was very annoyed by this. And the next time, he saw Babaji or didn't see Babaji was at Lahiri Mahashaya's house, uh, which is relatively close to there. At any rate, at uh, Lahiri Mahashaya's house and uh, Lahiri Mahashaya, uh, when Sri Yukteswar came into the room, Lahiri Mahashaya said, well, why didn't you, why didn't you bow to Babaji? and Sri Yukteswar hadn't seen him. And uh, Babaji said, well, he was, Lahiri said, well, he was hiding behind the sunbeams. Well, if you hide behind the sunbeams, you're not, not very much in a material form. Well, Sri Yukteswar was still miffed. Babaji, you promised to come to me, and then as soon as I went to get, um, get some sweetmeats for you, you disappeared. What? kind of treatment is that? And Sri Yukteswar was very much a jnani yogi. And so Babaji answered him in a way that settled it for Sri Yukteswar. He said, your restlessness fairly blew me out of the ether. And Sri Yukteswar said, oh, oh, I see now why you left. Well, most of us probably wouldn't be satisfied with that answer. But see, we're coming back to this theme of being able to go beyond the form. There's a beautiful practice that's in Italy, uh, India, especially in Bengal, um, where they make beautiful clay forms of Divine Mother. The Master's Mother did this. And so in Sarampur, they make these beautiful forms of Divine Mother, it could be Kali, it could be Durga, it could be any of the various forms of Divine Mother. And they worship those. And then they have a ceremony 
where in this ramp that goes down into the Ganges, they carry those forms down and they immerse them in the water and let them go, where the clay from which they were formed goes back to clay. And for a while, for a little while, it was in form and then it was out of form um, or released out of form. And it's a beautiful symbol. We're in form, but if we're going to worship in spirit, we have to go beyond the self-definition of being a form, which is the ego. The soul in form is a body or personality, is the ego. So if we're going to worship in spirit, we have to go beyond that. Lahiri Mahashaya, as we know, he was reluctant to have his photograph taken. And there's this wonderful story in the autobiography of a yogi where someone took um, a photograph of Lahiri sitting on a bench and developed it. This was in the days where you had a glass plate and had to take it and get it developed. And, um, and lo and behold, there was the bench, there was the scenery behind it, but there was no Lahiri. And so then another photographer, this, this was put in the newspaper. Well, another photographer said, well, I'm gonna show him. And he came and uh, again, Lahiri was there and he greedily exposed, I think it was 18 plates or something like that, and went and none of them, all of them had the scene, none of them had Lahiri in it. And so then he came and begged Lahiri, and so Lahiri allowed him to take the picture, which is what we have on the altar, uh, that, that kind of single picture of Lahiri. Well, it's a fun kind of practical joke, if you want to put it that way. But why did Lahiri play that practical joke? Why was he reluctant to have his picture taken? He said because he did not want people worshiping objects. He wanted people to go beyond the object to the form. And so if we can get past the form, then any form is beautiful if we can see that it's God behind that. One time, again, with Lahiri, um, a person came to him and said, um, will you heal, uh, heal my relative? And Lahiri said, I have no healing power. I can't heal your relative. And the person said, but the God that dwells within you that God can heal my relative. And Lahiri said, oh, well, that's an entirely different matter. <laughs> if you're not asking me to heal, being the form or the ego, you're asking the God, the indwelling God. Of course, the indwelling God can do anything. And he healed, gave the picture that, to someone and said, if you take this as just a photo, it will be that, just a photo. But if you look behind it and see it as uh, representative of the form of God, then it will be that. And again, that photo, like with Master, healed someone. But the point here is that as long as we think something is form, we're being, we're missing the point. We're not seeing the truth. 
we have to get beyond the form into the essence. And the essence, there is only one essence. There's only one, and that is God. God is everywhere. God is everything. God is all time and space. God is every particle of universal, every speck of universal dust, as Master says in the poem Samadhi. And beyond that, he's none of that, because this whole physical universe is only, a, only that essence put into form. And as long as we are caught in the form of things instead of the essence of things, then we cannot worship God in spirit and in truth. And so these words of Jesus were spoken some 2,000 years ago. And yet the essence of them is the same right now as it, as it was then. We have to worship in spirit and in truth. But in this age, as we'll hear in the Festival of Light, Jesus appeared in the high Himalayas to the great master Babaji and said, the lights on the high altar of my church, he said, the inner communion, the worship in spirit, the, that light, that candle has been growing dim and is ill attended. Though still lit on lower, lower altars of good works, good works are physical. They can be seen and felt and yet even they are not the essence of things unless we see that it is God serving God through whatever good works we do. Then good works are, are fine. But coming back to the inner communion, and so this is the changing of ages and why Master was sent to the West in order to bring the art and science of inner communion. And so this whole, whole path that we have is one of trying to find that inner communion beyond form with the Spirit of God. Master defined meditation as deep concentration. We read the prayer about concentration. Deep concentration on God or on one of the forms of God. So light Light we can worship, but we can't worship it as if it's outside of ourselves. We have to become it. Sound, because, because why do we worship light? Why do we look into the light of the spiritual eye? Why do we listen to the sound of Om? Why do we try to feel joy or feel love? Any of these aspects of God, why do we try to do that? Simply, because we're still caught in the thought that we are this body and personality. And so by constant, deep concentration on one of the universal aspects that are beyond form, that are God in spirit, by deep concentration on that, we become that. That's the, that's the way that uh, meditation works. It's the whole purpose of it. So coming back to the fact that um, where I started this talk was that why do we look at Swami as a model? Swami is a model because he lived his life 
according to these truths. As we heard in the prayer from Master about concentration, uh, let me, let me, well, I'll read it. Um, oh, I've, I've gone, I've changed the bookmark here. Um, but, but he was basically talking about uh, the silence comes from breathlessness. Silence of mind, silence of heart comes from the stopping of the vibrations of either. All the things, tiny little things that our heart yearns for are all in form. And we have to stop those vibrations and still the heart. And if we can do that, then we still the breath. We were with Swamiji after he had open, uh, he had a pacemaker installed. He had had uh, heart surgery and then he had a pacemaker installed. And um, he was having his post-operation, post-op consultation with the surgeon. And Swami asked quite seriously, with this pacemaker, will I still be able to go breathless? And the, the surgeon didn't, didn't understand what this guy was talking about. He was an Indian too, he should have known better. But uh, ignorance is everywhere, east and west. So, but Swami was very serious. Will this pacemaker prevent me from going breathless? Because it's in that very deep state that we will go completely beyond form. So, so that would be when we can go breathless, when we can see ourselves not as the form or the personality, but as the soul, that the soul is spirit. The soul is one with God um, in, in essence. And so by, by identifying day by day, morning, noontime, evening, kriya by kriya, pranayam by pranayam, stilling the mind by stilling the mind over and over and over again. Ultimately, we begin to break down that fundamental truth with which God has created the universe, that these forms are real. Uh, we have to begin to break that down. It, it takes some time to do that. One time we were with Swamiji and uh, we were coming out of Nordstrom's in a shopping center in, San, in Sacramento. And kind of in the middle of the mall, he just stopped and said, I got a letter this morning from someone. And he said, you have done so many things in your life. You've written books and started communities and done all these things. And I haven't done anything. And I just feel like I'm completely inadequate. And Swami said, I wish people wouldn't write letters like that. He said, can't people see that we're all the same? We're all the same. Maybe I've just been at it a little bit longer, but that's the only difference. So he's been at it a little bit longer, but how much longer? Well, a bit longer. <laughs> We have, many of you know that we have uh, uh, kind of a temple property in 
New Delhi, and it's in an area called Greater Kailash, named after a mountain in the Himalayas, Kailash Mountain, that's considered very, very sacred. And so this Greater Kailash is, so it's a, it's a mound, I don't know, 100, and, 100 feet tall, 150 feet tall, something like that, with this temple complex on it. And it's, it's lovely, and someday we will be able to develop it more. It's a very beautiful thing. It overlooks the plain of Delhi and very likely could be where the Pandavas were. But why is that mound there, this little hilltop? Sometime long back in a geological age, that hilltop was taller than Mount Everest. There's a southern uh, mountain chain that comes up through India that has now worn down over the ages, over the centuries. And so wearing down, wearing down, wearing down. Those high peaks of ego, they just get eroded by the wind and the rain, by the breath, by the stilling of the breath, by the rain, by the tears of devotion that we have for the desire to go beyond form, to get back to our true essence. And eventually, eventually, those mountains get eroded. And eventually, eventually, the tendency to want to be in the ego gets eroded until we become, as Swami said early on in his life, he was desperate to know the truth. He was in worship, worship God in spirit and in truth. Swami didn't worship God as God. He worshiped at this stage, God is truth. He was desperate to know the truth. And as he says in the path, I was one who rejected the thought of God, but thank God that rejection was was changed by my great guru. So we have this wonderful, wonderful path of, so to worship in spirit and truth. So the great masters have brought the path of yoga, of pranayama, of meditation, of true meditation um, that allows us to eventually erode that ego, that uh, the untruth, the delusion that there is some form, be it this body or an ice cream cone, some form that is not God, we have to get rid of that. Ultimately, we have to get rid of all of it. And until we can see that only God exists, only we are only God, Everyone is only God, that that's all that exists. And then when we worship in that spirit, we are worshiping the truth. And that's the model that Swami Kriyananda gave us, that Master came and brought and uh, so powerfully magnetized. But Swami, because of that attunement with the spirit and the truth, of God through this great line of masters, that powerful flow of truth 
creates a magnetism that attracts all of us to want to awaken, want to finally go beyond the thorny forms of ego and see ourselves as we truly are. And finally, we're destined. There is no other possible ending to the story except to finally come to the realization of who and what we truly are. And in that, all of our yearning, all of our wanting, all of those desires for the ice cream store of this world will finally be satisfied and we will wander no more. God bless you. Praise ye the Lord, all creatures, he who did make the mountains, he who did make the woods and fields, he who made the sky. Praise him who gave us gladness, praise him who fills our hearts with song, praise him who lifts their notes on high, the Lord, all creatures, he who did make the seasons, he who did make the hush of night, he who made the sun. Praise him who gave us laughter, praise him who taught our hearts to love, praise him and thank him everyone, seek him in his Praise him who gave us laughter. Praise him who taught our hearts to love. Praise him and thank him, everyone. Seek him in his light
Nightingale. 